0: Welcome to the Battles Within. Uh, We are going to be continuing in our series on Who is Jesus? This is session number 16. We've entitled this session here uh, Seeking Disciples, and we're going to be continuing on from what we began our discussion last week. So before we begin, let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord, I pray right now that you would help us as we study your word, first of all, that we might understand better who Jesus is, recognizing, Lord, that that really is the most important thing that we can understand is who you are. doesn't matter what knowledge we have related to the world or our skill sets. What matters is what we know about you. I pray, Lord, as we go through this series, that you'd help us each gain a better understanding of who you are so that then we can share with others so that they can come to know who you are, for without you there is no hope, and with you there is complete hope. I thank you, Lord, for all you do for us. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Okay, so in session 15, we saw where Jesus began gathering his disciples. Um, you know, now, let me say this, it is apparent that when he called his disciples, they did not go into full-time service. Uh, we know that because later on we will see where Jesus calls them to leave their nets, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, to leave their nets and to follow him. So we know they've already met before that occurs because we know it happened last week. We know that Peter and we know that, uh, I mean, John and Andrew were disciples of John the Baptist. And they were standing with John the Baptist when John the Baptist saw Jesus pass by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. And they left them and followed Jesus from afar. And when Jesus sees them, he turns around and says, What do you seek? And they said they wanted to know where he lived. They wanted to know more about him. And so they spent the day, the rest of the evening learning about Jesus. And then we know that it said on the next day, this is that was the first day, the second day, Andrew goes and seeks for Peter and finds Peter and tells him and brings him to Jesus. And Jesus tells Peter that he will mean tell Simon that he would be calling him Peter or Cephas or the rock. Uh, now today we're continuing on in that same thing. It says we're going to go into if you want to look in your Bibles, we're going to be studying in John again, John chapter forty three. I mean, chapter one verses forty three to fifty one. The last, the latter part of the chapter. This is remember. John is not a synoptic gospel. He's not one. the The Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were written prior to John. I mean, Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written prior to John's gospel. And John being a a a personal witness, right? He was a live witness to these events, and he had more intimate details than some of these others actually filled in the gaps. And so John here is filling in the gaps of some of the information that was presented by the other Gospels. So we see that here again today in John chapter 1, verses 43-51. And we're just going to jump right in then if you get your Bibles. John chapter 1, verse 43 says, the day following. Now remember, this is the third day. So the the we have the day that John the Baptist pointed Andrew and John to Jesus. And they met with Jesus, you know, traveled and they met with Jesus to discuss with him. Then the next day, Andrew brings Jesus, Peter to Jesus. And now this is the day after that. So Andrew and Peter. John and Peter are not with Jesus at this point in time. Not to our knowledge. Anyway, it says that the the day after that, it says, it says a verse, again, continuing on verse 43, Jesus would go forth into Galilee. So, the day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee. Now, did he go forth into Galilee because he um, was just going that way? Or was he going for a purpose? My opinion is, and again this is an opinion, is that Jesus was going specifically to get Philip and Nathanael. He was seeking them because they were seeking him. Now, it says then that uh, Jesus would go forth in Galilee. It says, and findeth Philip, he would go forth into Galilee and find a Philip. I think that's the same phrase. I don't think he was going there and, by the way, he found Philip. I think he was going and he found Philip. So he was going to find him. Now, Philip, uh, you know, this is, uh, I discussed this with my wife yesterday. You know, the objective of this study is to study who Jesus is and not really to spend a lot of time on the disciples or on others. We did have to cover a detail about John because John is intertwined with Jesus to the point where you can't separate the two. And what I mean by that is because John was the forebearer. John was the, he, he gave so much information and knowledge about Jesus that you had to understand him. Now the disciples and all are not, they're followers of Jesus and so therefore we're not really gleaning information from them as much so, not at this point until after the resurrection, we're gleaning information from Jesus and what they were doing. We know the disciples struggled throughout their time with Jesus to understand really who he was. I mean, they believed him as a savior, but they didn't really understand his purpose. And they struggled with that all the way through the uh, until the resurrection, uh, but anyway, it says uh, Philip. So, But we do need to talk just a little bit about who Philip was. He was clearly one of the earliest followers of Jesus Christ. Some scholars uh, speculate that Philip was the first disciple, was first, that is, a disciple of John the Baptist. That would somewhat make sense. You know, he lived in the same region where John preached. He was, uh, 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 he, we know that he lived in the, um, He lived in the village of Bethesda where Peter and Andrew lived. So he was also a Galilean. So it's a good possibility that Philip was already seeking for the Savior. You know, Jesus is looking for those who diligently seek him. And Philip was seeking for the Savior. So Jesus goes and finds Philip. And uh, it's probably that Philip knew Andrew and Peter. We know that Philip was again mentioned, not a lot is mentioned about him in the Bible. We know that he was there when Jesus fed the 5,000 because Jesus uh, uh, Jesus tested Philip by asking him, you know, where they could buy bread for so many. And Philip did a quick calculation and said, well, it would take about eight months of wages to get enough bread and... T- for everyone just to have a bite, um, so we know that that was Philip. We also know that that we hear the name Philip in the book uh, uh, in the the the. We last hear about Philip that is in the uh, book of the Acts, you know, and, and during at Jesus' ascension and the day of Pentecost. There's another Philip mentioned in the Bible who's the uh, mentioned in Acts also who's the deacon and the evangelist. they're not the same person. It is uh, tradition says by the way that Philip just to let you know that Philip preached in the in um, Asia Minor and uh, was martyred there. that's what tradition says. So we see the Bible says here that, and again going back to our scripture, the day following Jesus would go forth. Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip. It says would go forth into Galilee and find Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. <laughs> oh, excuse me. <clears throat> and um, Jesus issued a personal call to Philip. Excuse me a moment. He says he issued a personal call, Philip, follow me. So, leaving his life behind, Philip answered the call. Now, did he leave his life completely behind or just become a follower? You know, I just bait. God calls all of us into service, but some into vocational service. Uh, I don't say, there. there's no such thing to me as a part-time Christian. You either work for God or you don't. You're full-time or you ain't. It's kind of like, uh, I'm in charge of firefighter programs in the high schools in North Carolina, and uh, one thing I discovered is that there's no such thing as a volunteer fireman. Well, said. yeah, I'm a volunteer. No, there's no such thing as a volunteer fireman. You're either a fireman or you're not. Now, you may be doing it voluntarily, or you may be being paid to do it, but you're either a fireman or you're not. You either went through the process of learning how to be a fireman and became a fireman or you're not a fireman. Well, a Christian, you either Christian, you're not a Christian. You can't be a part time Christian. Unfortunately, some people think you can be. Some people think they can show up on Sunday morning and be right with God, and the next thing you see, they got a beer in their hand, and that's some type of party. Doing ungodly things. You can't be that way. You can't be a Christian on one time and something else another time. You can't be. You either are or not. It's a sw- There's a light switch. It's either on or off. Flip, flip. You know, it's a one or zero in the computer code for those of you that are geeks. Point is, you either is or you ain't. Um, and and, But as far as uh, the service you do is different now. Uh, you can be a Christian and be in what's called Vocational service, or what some people use, full-time service. And that means your job is related, is in working in Christian work. What a blessing it is to those people who can do that. Who give their life in the cause of Christ. Who are pastors and preachers and and and, uh, and and Christian workers in the Christian schools and missionaries. And the list can go on and on of people who are working in full-time. In full-time vocational careers in Christian ministry. That's great and wonderful. So, but we see most of us when we're called, we don't go straight into that. We're called, we become Christians, but we're working, we, we work every day, we continue to work in our jobs, and we carry Christ with us wherever we go. So we see here that this is probably what happened with these early disciples because we'll see later on in the gospels that Jesus calls them into what we would say full-time or vocational uh, ministry, where this is all they do. Okay, it says um, uh, that now Philip also may have been among the disciples that were at the wedding feast in Canaan, which is coming up in our next lesson next week. We'll talk about the miracle of the uh, the feast and the wedding feast, because that's the next thing chronologically that takes place in the life of Jesus. So there's no doubt that that uh, Philip was following Jesus at least to a certain extent. It doesn't really name whose disciples were in Canaan. We'll talk about it again next week. But it is reason to believe that he would have been one of them. Now, it's interesting that he said, follow me, the, the call. Christ did not force him to follow him. He did. He made no promises to him either. He just said, follow me. He simply called. Jesus calls to you today. Whosoever will let him come. Uh, uh, He's not willing that any should perish but all come to repentance, but you've got to ask. He wants you to follow him. He makes no promises to you of this life. There's no such thing. you heard uh, there's a song that says, God never promised you a rose garden. Matter of fact, opposite of that, as a Christian, God promises you persecution. He promises you a hard way. He promises you a road that is narrow and few there be that find it. He promises you that there's burdens to carry, but he promises you that with Jesus his burdens are are light. <coughs> oh, excuse me. So the verb follow, which we see here, is used as follow as a disciple. Follow me as a disciple. Follow my teachings. Uh, he presents them, the the, the the phrase here, to follow, is a uh, continuous force, which means keep on following. Philip, keep on following me. Philip, will you keep on following me? See, Jesus calls us today to keep on following him. When you hear the call, it's not the call of a one-time deal. Yes, it's a one-time deal to flip that light switch. On or off, you either are or you ain't but you are to follow him continuously, not just one time. You can't just get saved and walk away. That's not true conversion. God requires of you. So um, we see that was in that verse. Verse 44. Let's hurry on a little more. Now Philip was at Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. And the word Bethesda is interesting. I learned this. Bethesda means... House of the Fisherman, or Fishertown. Bethesda is a House of fishermen or Fishertown. So when you see in the Bible Bethesda, you know that it's a fishing town. That's what it is. So I did not know that. So when I see Bethesda from now on in the scriptures, I recognize that that is a fisherman's town. It's a fishing town. People go there to fish. Uh, I think of that like Topsail Island. I think when people go to lot so want people to go to the pier to fish. Um But it's a fishers town. And it laid a short distance east from where the Jordan enters in the Lake of Galilee. So it's a short distance at the point. So it's a it's kind of a place where fish would be at. Right? It's a good place to fish because uh uh Jordan's entering into the lake and therefore you're going to get all these fish right here. We know this is also the same town that Andrew and Peter lived in, so we know that's there. Now, uh, verse forty-five: Philip findeth Nathaniel and saith unto him, "So Philip findeth Nathaniel after Jesus had called, after Jesus had called uh, Philip, and Philip had accepted." The first thing that Philip did was want to share this news with his friends. Let me tell you, when people get saved, the first thing they want to do is share this knowledge with their friends. Why? Because they know, they feel the relief, they know the burden has been lifted, and they want to share that same feelings and get more people to feel that way. So Philip, having accepted Jesus as the Savior, as the Messiah, we'll see that, because he professes him that way, he goes to his friends and tells them, Philip recruited the skeptical Nathaniel as an apostle. Nathaniel, by the way, is generally understood to be the same person as Bartholomew. So when you read in the Bible the, the disciples and you say, well, I don't see Nathaniel, Bartholomew is the same. Nathaniel being his personal name and Bartholomew being his official name. It's kind of like some people, that have a, a, a regular name and a nickname, or they go by their middle name instead of their first name. You understand? Well, it's interesting that the Bible calls him Nathaniel because he was a friend of Philip. This was a personal name, and Jesus knows you as your person. My wife's name is, uh, uh, she would shoot me for this, but her official name is Vivian Constance Barber. But she goes by Connie. Everybody knows her as Connie. But officially, when she goes and goes to the doctor, she goes to to anything legal, she has assigned sign Vivian because that's her official name. Well, people that don't know that don't really, don't know her, don't even know that. So if you read anything about my wife or whatever, you read about Connie. But And so there's the same thing here. Nathaniel was his name that people used that knew him. But officially, his name was Bartholomew. So if you see those, don't get confused between the two because they are one and the same. Now it says Philip here, we know, sought Nathanael. He had compassion on Nathanael and he tried to win him to Christ. This is something all Christians should do. We should all share the gospel with those people that we know and we care about. I know we live in a world where we fight, where the world is difficult. I know that Christianity is something that's not in vogue anymore. That's okay. Christianity, God, being godly people has never been in vogue. Um, so that's okay. Let's continue on. He says, and saith unto him, Nathaniel, I mean, Philip said unto Nathaniel, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Philip, I mean, son of Joseph. This was Philip's testimony. As a witness of Jesus Christ. He got saved. Jesus came to him. He believed him. He followed him. He shared him. Sound like something that we should be doing? He declared that he was the Messiah and the Savior as predicted in the Old Testament. Now, no doubt Jesus talked with Philip. Jesus shared who he was with Philip, and he easily convinced Philip of who he was. So he had learned from Jesus himself who he is. This study here, again, is about us learning who he is so that we can do what Philip has done here, share the good news of the Savior. He is here. He is risen. He has come. We can share that good news with all those around us. Verse forty six. And Nathaniel said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? You can hear the question in his mind. He wasn't trying to ridicule, he was just trying to say, I can't wrap my hand or head around it. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Now uh Nathaniel responded with prejudice. See, you know, hearing that Jesus came from Nazareth, Nathanael thought he had no more reason to think that he might be the Messiah or anyone important because Nazareth was a little small village, maybe four or 500 people at the most. You know, his family no doubt well-known to the community, but no one important had ever come from that small village. It was a kind of the armpit of the Galilee. It was not much at all to talk about. Uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, thinking of an important person coming out of Smithfield, North Carolina. We've had some people that are important come out, kind of. I mean, you know, we got some museums to people in our town. I'm not going to give credibility to those, but we do have those that are there. Uh, but, you know, people say, did anybody important come out of that town? You know, that's what that's what uh, Nathaniel was saying. And Philip said, Come and see. Let me say this about Nazareth. You know, why did Jesus grow up in Nazareth? It's simple. For that exact reason that Nathaniel said, did anything important come out of Nazareth? See, God put Jesus in a place where he could grow up without all of the effects of the world upon him. That the world would not even look for him there. You could say God hid his son in this remote village, allowing him to grow up as a man, learn how to be a man, and learn about God. Because remember, he set aside his earthly, his heavenly knowledge. He put aside his omniscience, all-knowing. He put aside his all-powerfulness, his omnipotence. He put aside his omnipresence. He still has those things because he's God, yet he does not exercise them. We know when we saw in the wilderness... When Jesus combated Satan, he used it from his knowledge of the scripture that he had learned. He had the knowledge, he had the ability to defeat Satan with just a thought. But then he would not have been our representative. For him to be our representative, he had to represent us. So the knowledge that he had, he got from the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit reveals things, points him, directs him, drives him. We know the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness, The Holy Spirit no doubt drove him to Philip. Just like the Holy Spirit can drive us. The Holy Spirit drove Paul. The Holy Spirit drove Peter. The Holy Spirit drives us. And he drove Jesus. Because Jesus temporarily set aside his things. So he hid him here in Nazareth. So that he could grow up to be a man. Before he had to go out and do the things he needed to do. Because remember when he was known in Bethlehem. They sought his life. They killed all the children, all the males, two years old and younger, uh, trying to kill him. So it was a safe place to be. So Nazareth was the perfect place for God to raise his son, have his son raised up by Joseph and Mary and that community. But Philip, instead of uh, uh, arguing against Nathan's prejudism, Nathaniel's prejudices Philip simply invites him to meet Jesus for himself. You know, well... Let me just tell you, Nathaniel. why don't you just meet him yourself? Why don't you just come and see him? Don't take my word for it. Just come and see for yourself. So verse 40, 47. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him and saith unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Now, Jesus gave Nathanael a wonderful compliment. Uh, there's nothing tricky or deceptive in Daniel. Uh, he didn't wear a mask. I mean, in Nathaniel, he didn't wear a mask. Uh, the word deceit here, uh, uh, and no guile, guile being the word for deceit, is used in the early writers as bait. There's no, in whom is no bait, no A deceit. (laughs) Uh, Excuse me. Is used for catching fish. You know, you put a hook, a worm on a hook, because you're trying to deceive the fish into jumping onto the hook. You put bait on a hook, hiding the hook so that the fish will bite the bait. So, bait is a deception. When fishermen are fishing, they're using deception to capture fish. And here Jesus is telling, as as announcing that that this is an Israelite indeed who doesn't have deceit, doesn't use deception. It signifies uh, any cunning, uh, deceiving or catching. It has uh, no means it, it that there's no deceit or craftiness in him whatsoever. He is who he is. You know, people can say, well, one thing about him for sure. He is who he says he is. You like him or you don't like him. You know who he is. He's going to speak his mind. He is who he is. There's no deception on him. He doesn't have a hidden agenda. Uh, By the way, the word, this, this word here, guile, has been used in the Bible. It's used in the Bible of Jacob before he changed his heart. Genesis 27, 35. Uh, An Israelite in whom there is no Jacob. That's what he's saying. An Israelite in whom there is no Jacob. No Jacob is in you. You know, because obviously they were Jews. They knew what that meant. There's no Jacob in you. There's no guile in you. There's no deception in you. You are who you say you are. Uh, he's a proper Israelite, a man pronounced blessed by the psalmist, the man in whom the spirit is no guile. Psalms 32.2. So he gave a blessing to him. So then we have uh, verse 48. And Nathaniel said to him, Whence knowest thou me? He said, How do you know me? He had never seen Jesus before. He would never been to Nazareth certainly before. Uh, So, how can he know anything about him at all? But see, Jesus knows all about you. Now, you say, hold on, is that Jesus' omniscience here, which is part of his Godhead? I thought he wasn't able to use that. The Holy Spirit can reveal to him what he needs to know. And this is interesting, because here's Jesus' response. Jesus answered and said to him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Now, I really didn't understand what this meant. I didn't until I did a little studying. And now I understand, and it makes much more sense. It is possible that Nathanael liked to pray and meditate upon God's word under the shade of an actual fig tree. So that means Nathaniel daily went under a fig tree because it was hot, sat under the fig tree and studied and prayed and asked God for blessings, asked God to reveal the Messiah, asked God about those things. He daily went and prayed for these blessings, for these knowledge. He prayed earnestly daily. So it also is a phrase, by the way, under the, the the under the fig tree was a phrase that rabbis use to describe meditation so it could be in fact that he wasn't actually under a fig tree but he was when he was meditating so it could be mind you that Jesus said before Philip called thee when you were meditating i saw thee when you were meditating since the rabbis used the phrase under the fig tree for meditation that would make sense wouldn't it that Jesus said when thou were meditating I saw thee when you were praying for me I saw you when you were asking God to reveal the truth to you I saw you I saw you praying let me tell you God sees us when we pray God hears us when we pray God knows when we're meditating on his word and on him. He communes with us and he was communing with Nathaniel here under the fig tree or, or if it was the fig tree or if it was wherever he was at where he was meditating. He saw him. Now we can suppose that Nathaniel spent time in prayer and meditating on the scriptures and Jesus told him, I saw you there. Jesus said, I saw you. How do I know you? Because I saw you when you were meditating to me. When you were praying, when you were seeking my face. I saw you there, Nathaniel. You know what? That's a great blessing to us. It's a great blessing to us that God told Nathaniel, When you're praying, when you're meditating, I see you. I got you. I am there. Don't think your prayers are not being answered. Don't think I can't hear you. Don't think I can't see you. When you're praying to me, when you're meditating to me, Jesus says, I see you there. I see you there. That's a tremendous passage that we need to rely upon. We jump over this so many times, but understand the importance of that. That when you're downhearted, when you when you're sorry, when you're sad, when you're when you need a help, when you're lonely. And you feel like the world is looking upon you when you're sick or depressed or downtrodden and you pray. Jesus says, I see you there under the fig tree. I see you there. Um, so we're going to continue on. Nathaniel then answered and said to him, see this, by the way, that pierced Nathaniel's heart. Nathaniel said, I knew God heard me. I could sense that he was there when I was praying. I knew it, and here he confirms it. This is the Savior. This is the Lord. This is the God. He heard me. He saw me. He knows my request. He knows what I need. He says, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. See, Christ knew all about Nathaniel. Thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Uh, the Son of God describes the unique relationship of Jesus to the Father. The King of Israel describes his status as King and Savior. So Nathaniel says, I know that you're the savior of the world and you're the king of Israel to come. You're the promised Messiah. Here was someone who could not be described in ordinary human terms. So we see Jesus' response in, first, in verse 50. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, thou believest, thou shalt see greater things than thee. Because I told you, Nathaniel, that I saw your prayers, that I heard your prayers, that I saw you when you are meditating, that that you believe me. Well, let me just tell you, you're going to see some more mighty things than these. You're going to see a lot more mighty things than those. See, Nathaniel was amazed by what he already saw in Jesus. But Jesus said, "Nathaniel, hold on. Strap on your seatbelt. Hold on tight. You think that was great? You ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. That's what he said to him. The promise to see... These continues as the promise to see greater things than these continues as a believer. Let me tell you, if you think getting saved is great things, let me tell you, as a Christian, we see greater things. We see God answering our prayers, we see God helping us through our struggles, we see God pointing us to people that need help. We see those things. God is great. Getting saved is great, but God can do more things than just save us. He can lead us in our lives. He can stay with us. There are greater things than these. Greater things than just knowing about God. God can lead you and direct you and help you and support you and love you. You can trust in Jesus. So, um, we look at verse 51. And he said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. See, uh, as a result of his salvation, Nathaniel, along with all of us who are Christians, We'll see we, can see, we will see heaven open up. We will see angels coming and going. We'll see those great things. But in Nathaniel, particularly, God said, listen, you're going to see great things. You're going to be at the ascension. You're going to see when heaven opens up and the angels come down and take him up. You're going to be there. You're going to be there when you see me ascend to heaven. You're going to see some great and mighty things. Let me tell you today, as we get ready to close, let me tell you today that what Nathaniel saw, what Nathaniel experienced, was what we can experience today. Nathaniel experienced the knowledge that his prayers were answered. Nathaniel experienced the presence of understanding who Jesus is. And understanding, because of his faith in Jesus, we can see miracles. The greatest miracle, of course, is the soul being saved. Heaven rejoices. It says, "At a soul being saved, heaven rejoices. The angels rejoice at one soul being brought to Him." So heaven, as a whole, rejoices. Nathaniel says, "I now know you're the Savior. I now know." You're the Messiah to come. And Jesus gave him the promise, you're going to see greater things than these. If you're saved today, then thank God, while you're under the fig tree, when you're in the fig tree every day, well, first question is, do you get under the fig tree every day? Do you meditate on God's word? Are you under the fig tree? Because God can't see you under the fig tree unless you get under the fig tree. Are you under the fig tree praying every day, meditating on God's word? If you are, God says, I see you there. You want to be seen by God? You want to be heard by God? Get under the fig tree. Meditate on his word. Second thing is, once you're saved, once you're meditating on his words, God can show you great things, greater things than these, he says, for those who trust me. For those who listen to me, for those who follow me. Are you following Jesus today? If not, I pray that uh, you would uh, ask God to save you. I pray that if you don't know how to do so, email me, text me, reply to Facebook, uh, you're on YouTube. Go to YouTube and do it that way. Uh, If you've got a local church, go to your church. Ask somebody about it. There's no reason for not knowing Jesus today. We can help you. There's plenty out there who wants to help you, wants to share who Jesus is with you. Now, if you're a Christian, are you under the fig tree? Are you praying every day? Are you working for God? Are you serving Him? Are you sharing like Philip did, like Andrew did? Are you sharing who Jesus is? Are you wanting to know other people to come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? If not, I pray for you today that hearts would be convicted. Again, thank you for your time and your attention. And uh, we're going to close with a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity. I pray now as we meditate under the fig tree that you help us, Lord, to worship you, to serve you, to study, to be ready to share your news with others. Help us, Lord, to be the Andrews and to be the Phillips. Who want to share you with their friends and their relatives. Help us, Lord, to know you. If there's some listening today who don't know you as their Savior, I pray today, Lord, that they would come to know you. I pray, Lord, that someone would come to them and tell them. We're telling them now. Confess your sins. Ask Jesus to save you. Come into your heart. The Bible says, For whosoever will, let him come. I thank you, Lord, for all you do for us. I pray now that you would help us as we go about our daily lives, that we would show people who Jesus is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I thank you for your time and your attention. And I pray that uh, you would have a great day. Remember, why don't you get under the fig tree?